0: Welcome to another episode of Mike's Money Picks. On today's episode, we're gonna be breaking down this week's Arnold Palmer Invitational on the PGA Tour. We are doing a full comprehensive preview and you will not find a better preview in under 30 minutes. If you are betting the Arnold Palmer Invitational, if you are doing prop picks, if you are playing DFS, or if you are playing one and done, then you are in the right spot. We're gonna talk about the course, then we're gonna break down all kinds of different golfer profiles. This is an interesting event here at the Arnold Palmer Invitational. The course is Bay Hill, it's very tough, and it is an elevated event on the PGA Tour, so all of the big names are here. There's a whole lot of different guys that have winning upside, and we're going to break it all down. Now, if you are here expecting the normal college basketball content, that will be back tomorrow. If you're here for the golf content, I highly encourage you to give the college basketball DFS a try. Uh, March Madness is coming up, so DraftKings and FanDuel are going to be running their best contest here in the next few weeks, so now will be a good time to start prepping, start researching, get everything squared away for when March Madness actually hits. Um, We will be back next week. Um, to cover the next pga tour stop as well Um, those will be coming every monday night but the college basketball content will be coming pretty much every other day of the week so if you're here for golf i highly encourage you to give that a try all right so enough with the introductions here on this episode we are going to break down the course we're going to break down all the golfers and we are going to um, talk about strategy for one and done so we're going to get to it but first a quick word from our friends at anchor So we are now in week two of the PGA Tours Florida Swing. Last week, we were in Palm Beach Gardens at PGA National for the Honda Classic um, course designed by Jack Nicklaus. So naturally this week, we get a course designed by Arnold Palmer. It is Bay Hill and it is in Orlando. And this is an elevated event. So like I said, all of the big names are here. Now, traditionally, this has been a fairly decent field event, not quite as good as this year, but you generally get some pretty big names to show up here. Bay Hill is a difficult course. It's not as difficult as PGA National, but it is one of the more difficult non-major setups on the PGA Tour year in and year out. It plays very firm and very fast. It has very narrow fairways with a decent amount of force layups. So guys, aren't just going to be able to bomb driver every hole if they want to stay in the fairway. And then most holes are either tree lined or they have a water hazard. This is not a very open course. This is a course where if you spray it off the tee, you're going to be in water or you're going to be in a forest. This is not the place to be inaccurate. Now it also features very thick rough. So if you're going to miss the fairway, then you're going to have to get it out of that thick rough. So if all that sounded like I was describing a difficult golf course, it's because I was like, this is one of the tougher spots on the PGA tour. So we're going to kind of talk about some different golfers that we want to target here in a second, but let's go through the quick stats though. This is a par 72 and it is about 7,400 yards. So it is one of the longer tracks on the PGA tour and it does feature Bermuda greens. We're in Florida. So the greens will be with Bermuda grass. Now, most of the par fours on the scorecard are over 450 yards. So they're on the longer side and all the par threes are over 200 yards, which are very long for the PGA tour. Now, one thing that is unique with the Florida weather, it can get very windy, which makes scoring very tough. It's why you see um, the winning scores here at this tournament vary so much. I believe Tyrell Hatton wanted it minus four and Rory wanted it minus 18, two years apart, because it all depends on what the wind's doing. If the wind picks up, this becomes probably the most difficult course on the PGA Tour. If the wind is down, then it's still above average in difficulty. Now, one thing that is very important to note when you're looking at golfers, this course has the fourth best course history correlation on the PGA Tour, meaning out of all the courses on the PGA Tour... the Ones that are most predictive year in and year out based off of past success at this course, this one ranks fourth. Augusta is first if you were wondering. So in other words, when I'm looking for golfers this week, I would value course history at this course over comp courses over recent form, over anything, course history matters here. It's very correlated. Now, if you want to talk about the course comps though, Torrey Pines has had a lot of crossover success here. They're kind of similar with um, the green complexes, the way they work, even though Torrey Pines is not Bermuda. Um, If you're missing the green at Torrey Pines, you're just going to be in thick rough or in a bunker, not in kind of a depression area, not in a water hazard. That's kind of the way that it works here at Bay Hill around the greens. Um, And then Quail Hollow has a lot of crossover success as well. Another long track, another difficult track. um, And you see some common winners there, such as Rory McIlroy. Now for the length of the holes, like the ones that we just mentioned on the scorecard, honestly, it's not that different from Riviera. So while it's totally different in terms of the setup, The distances that golfers are going to be hitting are not that different from what you saw at Riviera. So I would kind of value those three as the course comps, Torrey Pines, Quail Hollow, and Riviera. But like I said, I am more concerned about a guy's course history here because this is a unique event and because it is very correlated. This is also very similar to a major championship setup. Firm and fast, super thick rough. Guys that excel in majors excel here, and the track record shows that when you look at the past winners of this tournament. Bryson DeChambeau, Rory McIlroy, Jason Day, guys, Scotty Scheffler, guys who do well in major championships. Now, another trend that is here is the international players tend to do very well. Maybe it's because of the windiness. Maybe it's because of a lot of international players come play this event before they play in the Players' Championship. But either way, international players have a great track record here at this event. I would be inclined to think that it's more the wind than anything else, um, but that is definitely something to notice when you're picking players. Now, when you look at the winners here, there's kind of two paths to victory. The first path is to be accurate off the tee and be great on approach because being great on approach and being dialed in will allow you to have a little bit of leeway if you get a wind gust or you know if the wind picks up. Um, having that little margin for error by being great on approach is definitely worth it because instead of, you know, having your ball blown into a bunker, now your ball is just blown to a 30 foot putt, which you can still make, or at the worst, you're probably two putting for par, right? Now, Rory McIlroy and Tyrrell Hatton have the wins here. Matthew Fitzpatrick has the runner up. This was kind of their strategy, hit fairways, hit greens, and hopefully, you know, by being dialed in, the wind is not going to affect you too much. Now, the second path is like the opposite absolutely bomb it off the tee, which will allow you to get it out of this rough easier. It's thick rough, so you're going to have to have a lot of clubhead speed if you're going to want to get out of the rough. So guys who are longer drivers who generate more clubhead speed will have a better time getting the ball out of the rough if everybody's going to miss the fairway. Anyway, you saw that in the win that Bryson DeChambeau had here, and he also has a runner up, so that represents that path. With both paths, Par is going to be a good score at most holes on this course, so you are going to have to be able to scramble and to get up and down for par, Uh, and making pars is going to win this week as opposed to some other events that could turn into birdie fests. So there is the details for the course. That's the type of golfers we want to profile. Now let's start talking about the individual golfers, but first we're gonna take a quick breather. So coming into this event, in any format that you're playing, whether you're playing DFS, whether you're betting, whether you're doing one and done, whatever, there's a big three. And those three stand above the entire rest of the field, in my opinion. And I don't think that you can go wrong with those big three. They're the top three golfers in the world right now. It's Jon Rahm, Scotty Scheffler, Rory McIlroy. So let's break them down. John Rahm played this event one time last year, and he came in 17th. In that week, he averaged gaining 2.85 strokes per round ball striking, and he gave a full stroke of it back putting. So to me, that represents John Rahm's floor at this event. He had a week where he hit the ball pretty darn well and just didn't do well on the greens at all. If he's able to just be average on the greens, that probably sets up a winning formula, and we know John Rahm has the upside to win tournaments. He has three wins in his last five worldwide starts, which is insane. Now, Scotty Scheffler is the defending champ here at this course. He is an expert at firm and fast conditions. When you look at his wins, they're all courses that play firm and fast. Scottsdale... Arnold Palmer Invitational, the match play, the Masters, so that's kind of like his thing, right? When the putter cooperates for Scotty Scheffler, he wins, like at Phoenix, like last year at this event. When the putter does not cooperate, the rest of his game is so dialed in that you get a 12th-place finish, like at Riviera, or the 15th-place finish, like he had two or three years ago. So just Scotty Scheffler, good all-around game. If you get a good putting week from him, he's probably going to win the tournament. Now, the last of the big three is, I don't know, only the guy with the best course history here out of anybody, Rory McIlroy. Listen to this course history, y'all. He has a win here in 2018. He has four other top 10s, an 11th, a 13th, and a 27th, all since 2015, no missed cuts. Now, his recent formula is a little to be desired. He's came in 32nd and 29th in his last two starts, but it's all been because of the putter. The rest of the game has really been there for Rory, and... I don't know, call me crazy, I kind of see just when they show him on the weekends, he doesn't look fully engaged because he hasn't been in contention. So maybe if he can get off to a good start this week, put himself in contention on the weekend, we get fully engaged, fully locked in Rory McIlroy, who is probably the best golfer on the planet when that is the case. Now, of those three, like I said, you can't go wrong. You got John Rahm, who's playing better than anybody in the world. You got Scotty Shefford, the defending champ, and you got Rory McIlroy, the guy with the best course history. I mean, depending on what you value is going to be which one of those three you pick. Um, now, one thing that is interesting is we are looking at Bermuda Greens this week, and do you care to guess who the best putter on Bermuda Greens is of those three? It's actually Rory McIlroy. So he's getting back to his best putting service. I think this could be a sneaky spot for Rory to get back in the winner's circle. Now, looking further down the board, I can honestly not remember the last time that I saw Max Homa on DraftKings and FanDuel Priced above Justin Thomas and Colin Morikawa. But when you look at what they've done recently, it kind of makes sense. Max Home was playing the best golf of his career. He had a win at Torrey Pines and a runner-up at Riviera, and he owns three top 25 finishes here in the last three years. So he's got the right combination of course history and recent form coming in. And I think this is, you know, it's been a great year for Max so far. I think it's going to continue to be a great year for Max. The fact that he has shown the ability to win at the farmers and to come in runner-up at Riviera that shows that he has the ability to compete in tough fields, which was previously a knock on his career. Max Homa also has a lot of success at Quail Hollow, which is one of the comp courses. Uh, I I can just keep going on and on, y'all, but I think outside of that big three, Max Homa is probably the next guy that I want to put in my DFS lineups or that I want to make an outright bet on. And I think if you're playing DFS and you're fading the first three guys, he's probably the guy to be set on in on my lineups. Now, Justin Thomas is not playing his best golf. And he hasn't played this event since 2015. So this event, like before the elevated events on the PGA Tour schedule, right? Like PGA Tour guys got to pick and choose which week they showed up to which tournament, pretty much. And now that there's elevated events, they're going to come to all the elevated events. So basically for seven years, when it was a choice of, hey, you can come to Orlando and play Bay Hill, or you can wait a week and play the players. Justin Thomas was like, nah, man, I'm good. So he opted not to play this course for seven straight years. And I think that pretty much tells you what he thinks about his own performance at this course. Because if you thought that you were going to do well, or if you thought that it would be good to play this course before you went and played the players, then you play here, right? And he just hasn't played here. Now, the one thing that he does have going for him is that Justin Thomas does have a career win in Florida. He's won the players. And Bermuda is his best putting surface. So I think he would be an interesting low ownership play in DFS, but I'm not interested in one and done. I'm not interested in outright betting, but I think he does make for an interesting pivot in DFS. Colin Morikawa, in my opinion, has a great statistical profile for this event. He is super accurate with his driver, which is going to allow him to find fairways to you know keep it out of that thick rough, and it's going to give him the best chance at hitting greens and then hopefully knocking down putts. That's usually the weak point of his game. Now, w- people always say with Colin Morikawa that he struggles in like tough conditions. I don't think that's accurate. He's won the Open Championship before. So he can clearly play in the wind. He can clearly play in tough conditions. He can clearly get himself out of pot bunkers and out of bad situations, right? So I don't think that's as much of a concern for me. In his one previous trip here, he does have a ninth-place finish, and I think that he does give you some serious winning upside because if he delivers the same approach numbers that he did at Riviera and he just is average with the putter, he gives you the upside to win this golf tournament. Now, Will Zalatoris and Cameron Young are great narrative plays, in my opinion. Both these guys went to Wake Forest, you know, alma mater of Arnold Palmer, and both have cited Arnold Palmer as a big influence in their careers. I think both of them, like, this would mean more to them winning this tournament than winning pretty much anywhere else on tour outside of a major. Obviously, the majors are an exception, right? So let's talk about Will Zalatoris a little bit. Will Zalatoris had a big time injury to recover from. Like, you got to remember, this guy sat out of half of the FedEx Cup playoffs, which is like where these guys make their money. So it must have been tough for him to sit out of that. He kind of had a rocky start to the year, but I am back on board with Will Zalatoris after his fourth place finish at Riviera. That's kind of like what Will does right he excels in firm and fast conditions he excels at long golf courses cuz he's great with his long irons he excels in major championship setups i'm not going to rattle it off but go look up his track record in majors it's outstanding and then in his only two trips here he has a 10th and a 38th never wished a missed cut so i think everything sets up well for Will's at this week I think he would be a good guy to bet outright to win the golf tournament. I think he gives you that winning upside. We've seen him win before. We've seen him with a great track record at majors before. And I also think he's a great play in DFS, maybe as your second guy into the lineup after one of the big three. So now let's talk about Cameron Young. So Cameron Young is a guy who pretty much this year had not been playing his best golf, if I'm being honest, but he did kind of right the ship a little bit with a 20th place finish at the Genesis, which is a good sign to me coming into this event. The Genesis is another long track with narrow fairways, which kind of fits this a little bit. Now, why I really like Cameron Young this week, aside from the narratives, is the fact that he fits the Bryson mold perfectly. People don't realize this, but Cameron Young is pretty much peak Bryson, without the eccentricity and without kind of the feud with Brooks Kepka, whatever other pieces you want to talk about with Bryson, Cameron Young is just a much quieter version of that. He hits the golf ball farther than everybody. He has more club head speed than everybody, which means that on a course like this with thick rough, he is going to have an advantage. If everybody's going to be missing the fairway, then the guy who has the advantage is the guy who has the best club head speed coming into the ball in that thick rough. So I absolutely think this is a good spot for Cameron Young. And if the putter can just be average to above, average this could be a very good week for Cameron Young and I think there wouldn't be a better spot for him to pick up his first PGA Tour win all right now looking further down the board Tony Finau is a guy that I play a lot in DFS he's one of my favorite golfers on tour if you have watched full swing on Netflix well first off if I were to rate it I would say probably seven out of ten um I was a little disappointed at how they jumped around chronologically. And I think that they kind of left some stuff out that should have been included. But anyway, Tony Finau on full swing pretty much came out looking better than anybody, in my opinion, on the entire season. Like, I already I already liked Tony Finau, but I really like him after watching that. He just seems like an all-around great guy, the type of guy you want to root for, the type of guy that the game of golf needs, right? So anyway, I say all that. He's a guy I play a lot. This is probably not the best spot for him, in my opinion. He hasn't played this tournament in two years, and he has four total trips here. Two of them are missed cuts, um, but he does have outstanding recent form. He has seven straight top 20 finishes dating back to November. If you're looking for a guy to just come in top 30, I think he's a pretty safe bet for that, but I don't think that this is a week where he gets back into the winner's circle. Xander Schauffele and Patrick Cantlay are two more that I'm kind of in the same boat with Tony Finau. I just don't think that this course is the best spot for them. When I think of both of these guys, I kind of think of TPC courses. Just, you know, kind of your standard run-of-the-mill, pristine conditions, you know, everybody's hitting greens type of course. And... I just don't think that this is kind of their spot, in my opinion. Um, Neither of these two guys have any course history to speak of, meaning that if they thought they were going to do well at this event, they would have played here more often. So um, I'm kind of just off Xander and Patrick Canway for this week. Now, Victor Hovland is the last guy at the top of the board that I am going to mention. And statistically, about the only thing he has going for him is that he was the runner-up here last year. And so that could definitely play into him having some success this year. All right, so that does it for the top of the board. Let's take a quick breather and then let's talk about some value play. I mentioned at the top how the undisputed king of course history here at Bay Hill is Rory McIlroy. Well, second in that category has to be Matt Fitzpatrick. In his last four trips here, he has four top ten finishes. It doesn't get much better than that. Well, it actually does. If he'd won the tournament, which he hasn't, and he actually only has one win on American soil in his career, it was last year's U.S. Open, this would be a great spot for the second given his success here in his last four trips. However, his recent neck injury does have me a little bit concerned. He kind of let everybody know about it at Pebble and... Everybody kind of expected this after that, and then he missed the cut. Um, and then he came in 29th at Phoenix, which is pretty good, and then he missed the cut at the Genesis last week. I don't think the Genesis was a great course fit for him, so I can kind of excuse that a little bit, Um, and then I also think that maybe you know taking the week off at the Honda, getting that extra week to heal it, maybe that neck is back fully healed. Maybe we're going to see full-strength Matt Fitzpatrick. I'd love to see what he says in interviews this week to kind of see if we can gauge on if his health is 100%, but I definitely think that the course history definitely gives me a little bit of interest in playing it. Now, speaking of course history as well, we got to talk about Jason Day. So Jason Day has an incredible combination of recent form and course history. He actually won this event in 2016 and has never missed the cut. And his recent form coming in is also incredible. He has three straight top 10 finishes. We're starting to see Jason Day turn back the clock like it's 2015, and he is just excelling in all areas of his game, especially on the putting surface. Like, this is like giving me vibes of, watching him right now, it's giving me vibes of prime Jason Day in 15 and 16, where he was in contention in seemingly every major just because the guy kept making putts. And I think that he has the potential to do that this week. This is a course he has good success at. Jason Day absolutely on my radar for this week. Now, looking further down the board, Tyrrell Hatton has to round out the top four in terms of course history. He has a win here in 2020, as well as a runner-up finish here last year. He's a European guy who excels when the weather gets tough. He had a super high winning score, um, only minus four um, when he won this event in 2020. And so I just think that if you check the forecast for Orlando and you see rain and wind in the forecast, he's a guy that you got to plug into your DFS lineup, and I'm not afraid to bet him outright, especially in bad weather. Now, Keith Mitchell is a guy that I definitely have to talk about. So, we've talked about here on the podcast before the Rory comps, right? Where, for whatever reason, it courses Rory McElroy plays well at, Keith Mitchell plays well at. And, well, who's the king of course history here at Bay Hill? That's right, it's Rory McIlroy. Keith Mitchell's course history here, pretty solid also. He has a fifth-place finish and a sixth-place finish here. He's won in the state of Florida before. He's won the Honda Classic. He's also won at Quail Hollow, which is one of my comp courses. And also, we got to talk about where his game is at. It's firing on absolutely all cylinders right now. He came in fifth at Riviera and fourth at Pebble Beach. And honestly, watching the last two days at Riviera, if he had just told a few more putts, he would have been right there with Raman Homa all the way down the stretch. And so I kind of think that, you know, getting back on Bermuda grass, which is his most comfortable surface, um, with his game in a great spot, with his, you know, clearly having good history here, I absolutely think this is a great spot for Keith Mitchell. I'm going to be playing him a lot in DFS this week. Now this could be a Keegan Bradley week, y'all. Keegan Bradley has played this event every year since 2015 and has not missed the cut. And he has done so... Without even putting that well, he averages losing .13 strokes per round at Bay Hill, which is not good. It's below average. But you got to remember with Keegan, he's not a good putter anyway. He's a well below average putter. So this is actually not putting that far above his baseline and he still have good results here. So I actually think that this could be a really good week for Keegan, especially if the putter cooperates. Recently, the putter did cooperate for him, and he had a runner-up finish at Torrey Pines. Definitely a great play on DFS where if you do get a good putting week from Keegan, he's probably going to give you a top 10. And at that price tag, that is outstanding from Keegan Bradley. Wyndham Clark is another guy that we got to talk about. He has great recent form coming in. He has eight straight made cuts, four of which were top 20 finishes. And he is another guy that like Cameron Young, he fits that Bryson mold of a guy who is just going to bomb it and be able to get it out of that thick rough. And so another good spot for Wyndham Clark this week. Now, in terms of recent form, Seamus Power would like a word. He has nine straight made cuts, one of which was a win at Bermuda. Bermuda is not a difficult course by any means. It's not a long course by any means, but it is a course that you can see some wind and some weather. And so maybe there's a little bit of um, a little bit of a correlation there between winning at Bermuda and then you know doing well in at Bay Hill. Seamus Power is a European guy, you know, so he should excel in these windy and you know rough weather conditions. Gary Woodland is worth a mention as well. He came in fifth here at this course last year and was ninth in his last appearance at Riviera. Course history, check. Recent form, check. Okay, I'm willing to um, play Gary Woodland this week. Lucas Herbert is a resident short game specialist on the PGA Tour, and it showed up last year when he came in a 7th place finish. And he only has one win on the PGA Tour. Like Seamus Power, it was in Bermuda. So he's a guy who excels in bad weather. He's a guy who excels in the wind. And his short game will allow him to compete if the course conditions get tough. Min Wu Lee is a guy that I like a lot solely because I'm willing to trust the talent. Like, we've seen this guy win on the European Tour. He's supremely talented. Last week, he was our one-and-done pick at the Honda, and he really didn't let me down. It, you know, T26, which is not bad, at an event like the Honda where the purse wasn't that big anyway, it didn't really hurt me to have picked Minwoo Lee last week. I'm probably not going to want to pick him at another one-and-done event all year. So I'm, gonna, I'm willing to trust the talent of this guy. I'm willing to go back to him in DFS this week. Christian Bezay-Newt. Of South Africa. I sure hope I said that correctly. He's a guy that I like a lot this week. He's played at this course three times in the last three years, and he has three top 20 finishes in the last three years. He's another guy that you know has a lot of history on the European tour. He's an international player, and he has an elite level short game that is going to allow him to get up and down for par where others will not. And so I definitely think that in terms of value plays on DFS, he is one of the guys that I will be playing a lot of in my lineups. Now below seven K on DraftKings this week is um, it's not the best. You know, pretty much there's no guy down here that checks all of the boxes. There's guys that check some of the boxes, though. And so um, the first guys that stand out to me is you could go back to Justin Sutt or Eric Cole, who had great performances last week. I was really impressed with Eric Cole. Even though he didn't win the golf tournament um, at the Honda Classic, he never really looked flustered down the stretch. He looked like he belonged. Um, he looked like he had been there before. And so, you know, staying in the state of Florida, I kind of think that there might be a little correlation with the finish at the Honda and and finish here at Bay Hill, so I think the Justin Sa and Eric Cole are both worth a look in DFS. Adams Fenson is a great iron player with good recent form, but he did miss the cut here in his only appearance last year, so that kind of concerns me a little bit. Alex Smalley is a guy who excels in difficult conditions. Recent form is not the best, but he did come in 38th here last year. That's a made cut. If you play a guy in the 6k range on DraftKings, a made cut is all you're asking for. S.H. Kim seems like a solid bet to make the cut, like he has in four straight events. Played him at the Honda last week. Not the best finish, but again, he made the cut And for your value plays. Sometimes that's all you need. Ben Taylor probably has the best recent form out of anybody who is down here in the 6K range. And then Thurston Lawrence would probably be my dart throw um, out of anybody in the 6K range. He's won on the European Tour before. He's an international player. He's played in all types of environments. Um, And I just think that he's a little more talented than his price tag. And so he would be a guy that I would be looking at as a dart throw. All right, that does it for the value section. Don't go anywhere, though. We're going to talk about one and done. But first, a quick breather. All right, so as previously mentioned, I did go with Minwoo Lee last week. And, you know, not the best finish, but not the worst finish. I definitely was not considering Chris Kirk. I was sure as heck not considering Eric Cole or Justin Suh. Um, you know, maybe going with Shane Lowry or Seb might have been better. But, hey, I'll, I'll take the Minwoo Lee. I'll take the made cut. I'll take the payday any day of the week. So looking ahead to this week, this is a week where it's really important to start planning ahead. And here's what I mean by that. You're probably going to want to use a guy this week – that you may want to use again at a major or at another elevated event like the Wells Fargo, like the Memorial, like the match play. So I definitely think that this is a week where no matter who you're using, you might want to take a peek ahead at the schedule and think what are the other events where I might want to use this guy. So majors notwithstanding because they're an entirely different beast. I think this is a great week for Rory McIlroy, but you would probably want to use him at Wells Fargo. I think this is a great week for Scotty Scheffler, but you could probably use him at match play. You could also probably use him at the Masters as well. I I said I wasn't going to include majors, but I I had to there. So those two guys, absolutely great spot for him. John Rahm, great spot for him as well. You're probably going to want to use him at the Memorial or one of the majors also, though. Now, if you haven't used Max Homa, I made it a priority for me in my one-and-done entry to use Max Homa before I got out of the California Swing. Because he absolutely kills it in California, right? So I made it a priority to use him. If you haven't used him, this would probably get my recommendation. I don't think you're going to get another combination of recent form coming in and good course fit for Max Homa. So it's probably either here or the U.S. Open. If you or you know have not used Max Homa and you want to like maximize your use of Max Homa, right? Now, if you want to look further down the board. And you don't plan on using Will Zalatoris at a major. This is a great spot. Now I think that you know, out of all the names I mentioned so far, Zalatoris will probably be the most underowned. Um, so he might give you a little bit more leverage as opposed to just you know go ahead and you know marking down Rory or marking down Scotty. And if you're looking for options lower on the board, I could see myself going with Matt Fitzpatrick, but that neck injury scares me. I could see myself going with Tyrrell Hatton. That course history is outstanding. You know, Jason Day might be worth a look, but I think that's a little too volatile for my tastes. So for me personally, I think it's going to come down to Rory or Zalatoris. I might be talked into Tyrell Hatton before the week is over, but Rory and Zalatoris are the two that I'm going to be eyeing. I think that it is worth it to save John Rahm. I think that Scotty Scheffler, I really want to use Scheffler at the match play or at one of the majors. So I'm probably going to pass on Scheffler this week, and it's going to be Rory or Zalatoris or maybe Tyrrell Hatton if I'm feeling lucky. So there you have your one-and-done preview for the week, and there you have our preview of the Arnold Palmer Invitational for the week. It is all done, and like I said, you will not find a more comprehensive preview in 30 minutes or less. I wonder if Domino's still does that, by the way. I'm personally not a big Domino's fan, but um, that 30 minutes or less slogan is something that did stand the test of time, I guess. Anyway, that does it for the covers this week, guys. If you want to see my full DFS picks for the Arnold Palmer Invitational, head on over to the Patreon, slash Mike's Money Picks. And if you want to get notified when next week's episode for the Players' Championship drops, make sure you hit that subscribe button. That way you'll get notified. And Please rate and review the podcast if you like what you're hearing. That really helps me out a lot. And lastly, venture out and play some other sports. So college basketball will be coming up tomorrow. You know, March Madness is around the corner. Perfect time to start watching some college basketball. So why not listen to some content about it? All right, hopefully that did a good job of selling you on that. If not, I'll see you next week for the golf coverage. Anyway thank you guys for listening. Best of luck to all your endeavors this week, whether it be one and done, betting, DFS, whatever. Best of luck to you. Hopefully I gave you guys some good plays. Thank you guys for listening and I will see y'all next time.